Welcome to the Elevate Your Life podcast with Evelyn Kelly. I'm your host, Evie, life and confidence coach, and I'm here to support you to create unstoppable self-belief and confidence, own your self-worth, and to elevate all areas of your life. Join me for soulful yet straight-talking chats with epic humans, juicy DNMs with me, and loads of inspiration so that you can be the best vision of yourself and live a life you truly love and deserve. Are you with me? Here we go. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back to the Elevate Your Life podcast with Evelyn Kelly. Today is an extra special episode where my partner, Brooke Thompson, interviews me for the podcast. We have flipped the mics, roles reversed, and he is going to be interviewing me today because I think it's always so interesting hearing more from the host and for them to be asked their own questions and just to hear some of the wisdom that they have to share. So, I thought that would be fun to do and this is of course a celebration of my 30th birthday and we actually recorded this episode on my birthday so it was really fun. This is a real easygoing conversational style podcast and apologies in advance for the audio in this podcast. It's not amazing but the content was too good not to share with you all. So without further ado, here is Brooke Thompson interviewing myself about me and my journey. Hi guys and welcome to the podcast. My name is Brooke. I'm here today to interview Evie on her special birthday today. Happy 30th birthday. Thank you. How cool is it? It's also really cool sometimes to hear um, other people interview the host. So I'm here today to ask you some questions. Oh, totally. This is so fun. How exciting. <laughs> awesome. So uh, you asked me this when I did my podcast with you, but what would be your favorite quote? Oh, it's so hard to pick just one. And I feel like they've come and gone for me. But I think the one that's really stuck with me through most of my journey is this one. It's by Marianne Williamson. It says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Beautiful. That's really cool. That's so you. Yeah, I think I just was... Can I just elaborate on that one? Go okay, for it. <laughs> I'm going to talk lots. Um, I just wanted to say that I think that one really resonated with me because when I was starting to uncover my true self and do all of this inner work on myself a few years ago now, it was this thing that really hit home because it wasn't that I was inadequate, although there was some worthiness stuff that I needed to move through along the way. It was actually that there was this fear of my true potential or the fear that I knew that I was here for more and what did that look like and what did that mean and who did that mean I needed to become in order to get there so Mm. I think it was more around for me it was this fear of of actually how how powerful and how big I could be cool love that hey um so tell us a little bit about yourself that you feel that the listeners won't know about you. I know that you share lots, but try to dig and find something that they won't know. 
Oh, oh, so interesting. Um, where to start? It's been a wild journey. <laughs> Maybe you can fill in some gaps if I've missed stories along the way, Brooke. Uh, because obviously you have been around for the last 10 years. Yeah. Gosh. Um, okay, so what would you like to know? I'm, I'm a pretty open book, really. And I know I do share a lot of this on social media and through my email lists and things like that. So some of you may be familiar with my journey, but essentially I... Remember when I was younger, you know, when you're in like primary school, intermediate, and you're always like, what are you going to be when you grow up? And me and my really good girlfriends, my best friends, who I am still friends with today, used to have this book that we used to journal in and write questions and answers and, you know, stick in pretty pictures and things like that. And one of the questions that we used to always ask each other was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember really digging deep on this one when I was younger and I can still visualize myself sitting in our lounge room in my family home and thinking what did I really want to be when I grew up and I said the biggest thing that really mattered to me the most was that I really wanted to help people like really deeply help people and I didn't really know how to explain that as such or put a job title on it because I used to think well Oh, but what does that actually mean, Evie? Because, you know, every job essentially is helping someone in some way. But I think it was more of a deeper sense of truly serving someone. Uh, so really, really helping them in, in a really massive way or changing their life in some way. So that was sort of my my fondest, youngest memory of like, what did I want to be? And, and this notion of helping people. And then... Throughout school, it was always like, okay, what am I going to be? And I was kind of tossing up between becoming a teacher or being a physio. And those were sort of my two options that I was weighing up in high school. And in my last year at school, we were offered lots of scholarships and things like that. And so I applied for some. And I actually got given a scholarship to do physio at AUT in, in Auckland here. And so I took it and that kind of made my decision up for me. I mean, I, I, I guess I was like, well, I can't really take, um, not take up this opportunity. So it was another, another kind of, I guess, a sign from the universe or a nudge in the right direction for me. And so I did physio. I loved it. I was such a good learner. Like I just loved physio school and learning, even though it was crazy challenging at times, but it was heaps of fun and met some incredible people there. And then so for the early part of my 20s, that was me. And I went into the hospital system and worked there for several years as a physio and just loved helping people and loved the health world. But it kind of started maybe in my mid-20s when I was kind of reassessing things and, and growing up and I had evolved and grown as a person as well. And I kind of thought like sometimes it's a little bit backwards, like these people I was rehabbing at the very end of their journeys or after massive illnesses or health problems or injuries or accidents and while that was wonderful when I always see that physio was a really positive moving forward type of role it, it almost seemed like we were missing this big chunk 
of the psychological component to rehab to injuries and things like that and, and people's health and I was like unless unless people were diagnosed with a mental illness there was no one sort of really to support these people in, in the middle and so that was sort of one of the nudges that I was kind of getting towards moving into coaching and then of course as I've shared multiple times before I personally did lots of healing work in a work and coaching was a massive part of that was like the missing puzzle piece that allowed me to move through some of the things that were holding me back to really embrace who I was to come home to myself to build up my self-worth again my confidence my self-belief all of these things they like it was just it was just life-changing for me and so I sort of yeah started following people online reading the books meditating doing all of that stuff and it was just it was just wonderful it was just magical and so sort of towards yeah middle to late 20s I started feeling this pull for there's something more like there's something more for me and it wasn't that I didn't love physio I still am really fond of physio and have so many wonderful memories there and still have so much respect and love for the profession but it was like there was something more and I couldn't keep denying this nudge within me and so I knew that I also wanted to go traveling so this was around the time that Brooke and I decided to go overseas you decided to go overseas (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I was like, Brooke, I really want to go traveling. I want to have the OE experience. I want to do something different to go meet new people, to see new things, experience new cultures and ways of life. And I knew I just needed to kind of have a break from my current reality to kind of reassess. And I knew it was going to be this massive growth period. So I also pushed myself quite a bit. So I said, I really want to do something by myself as well. And so I always knew that that was going to be my challenge because I was so used to obviously Brooke's support and being around other people and yeah, had never really done anything like completely by myself overseas. And so I volunteered at a health retreat in Australia for six weeks and it was a really challenging time, but one that was so pivotal for me and one that like really it was just a big growth period really like it was wonderful in so many different ways but but there was challenges right Mm -hmm. yeah 100% and so we did that well I did that and then we went traveling and then that was when around that time I was looking into coaching and had been following so many coaches online and started to do their programs and things like that and then I signed up to do the Beautiful You Coaching Academy's course. Um, Side note, if you do want to become a coach yourself, um, definitely look in the show notes. There's a link to my website where I talk all about my journey and experience there. And they are opening places for their uh, 2021 courses. So if you're keen, definitely check that out. Anyway, so that's when I decided to sign up as a coach and... It was a completely intuitive decision and I didn't really talk about it with anyone else and apart from Brooke, of course, and it was so scary, but it was so exciting. And so I took the plunge, I did that, and then kind of the rest is history, really. Like we, I think we've talked a lot about this um, in your episode, Brooke, when I interviewed you, Mm. episode number two, if you want to go check that out. And yeah, I've just been ever since then 
slowly moving in towards more coaching work, started my business uh, and now full time in my coaching business and then just feeling so much more me. Yeah, so much more me. Uh, Awesome summary. Um, what, uh, What was something outside of your comfort zone? Um, that was so scary, but your intuition told you to just go for it. Um, so you took the leap and tell us a bit about that. Oh, I feel like I've already kind of talked about that. (laughs) I think I answered all my questions early on. Um, oh gosh. Okay. So I think potentially like really following the nudge of what was this more was for me. So I think... Um, like I said, when I was working in the hospital system as a physio, I, even though I loved it, I knew that I needed to go traveling and I knew that there was something more and I just needed to go explore that. So that was, that was really scary Mm. because I was like, okay, I'm leaving something that I've gone to university for, for four years and studied. I've worked as a physio for years. I'm doing really well at it. I'm, you know, progressing in my career and it's not that I didn't not like it. That was always my things. But then this calling for more was like, oh my goodness, like, what does this mean? Like, what does this look like? Like, what? You mean like I'm not meant to be a physio? Like, what? That's the kind of stuff that was going through my head at the time. And I think there's always an element of fear when you're leaving your job and you're going traveling. Yeah. Like, we didn't, yes, we sort of had a plan, but not really. And yeah, that was really scary. I think also the other thing was, like I also mentioned and alluded to the fact of that going to the health retreat by myself and volunteering there out of my comfort zone, that was that was really scary. Yeah. That was a big step for me. And yeah, I think the whole way through though, and it's really interesting because when I was younger, I never thought that I had a really strong intuition. I never thought that I had that strong gut response, but actually I think I really did. Like I have these massive life, these big pivotal moments where I did have a really strong intuitive pull or nudge to do it. For example, like I've already mentioned, going to the house retreat, leaving my job, going traveling, signing up to the Beautiful You Coaching Academy course. Uh, leaving my physio job oh and actually this is an interesting one I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast episode around um, my mindset leaving physio and going full-time in coaching but that was at the start of this year I was working with my business coach at the time and we were talking about me going full-time and I said I don't know why but for some reason I feel like I'm not going to be doing physio in March this year and I was like, but that doesn't seem quite correct. Like I'm not quite ready for it, da, da, da. And then lo and behold, COVID hit and I couldn't do physio at the very end of March. And so it was so interesting. So I think all the way through, I now looking back, I definitely did have a really strong gut response or intuitive pull towards things. And 
Yeah, it's actually interesting. I was going to tell another little story about human design. If any of you follow human design, uh, then I am a generator uh, with a sacral authority. And if you are new to human design and you're like, what's that? You should definitely go Google it if you're interested. I highly recommend. It's so fun and so fascinating. So essentially, yeah, I'm a generator, which means, and a sacral authority, which means that I basically need to use my gut or my instincts to help me make decisions and each of the different human designs will have a different authority and so it's it's just another beautiful self-awareness tool but I think that's also just I don't know it's just interesting to know that that's my human design trait Mm. um and it links with my intuition have you got any other stories or things to share have I missed out things Brooke yeah you do have a really strong intuition um I see this all the time in day-to-day things and in your life as well. But yeah, you have this way of just knowing things are right or wrong. Um, And it's really cool to see sometimes. And there are, I was just trying to dig up some examples, but you do it in, in lots of parts of your life. So it's, I'm so used to it now, I guess. But I guess if you don't know Evie or you know know a little bit of evie she has got a really amazing intuition and she's usually 100 percent correct but um yeah <laughs> <Does it? laughs> sometimes sometimes i try to prove her wrong but sometimes it doesn't really work <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say does it annoy you yes it does annoy me sometimes <laughs> it's funny isn't it um I was going to say maybe the, maybe getting Finn, our little puppy, maybe mm. that was an example of intuition because um, it didn't, it didn't always make sense, right? When we actually no, made that decision, like logically. So just backstory for those of you who don't follow me on Instagram or haven't seen our gorgeous photos of, of Finn. He is just so beautiful. Anyway, we, I've wanted a golden retriever puppy for forever, but now I'm working from home. It means that I've got a lot more time to give to it and I'm around more. So we were like, let's, let's get a puppy. Why not? Um, And so we've been looking on Trade Me and they're super popular. They're so hard to get. They won like the first litter we saw sold within an hour. And we're like, what? Anyway, and all the breeders have got like wait lists for years. Anyway, we'd been looking for ages, inquiring about all these puppies, missing out on them. And I really wanted to get a girl puppy. And I really wanted a boy puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I just thought that I was always going to get a girl. And that was what? I thought was going to happen. Um, But anyway, we found, actually, we put our name down to get a Labrador cross with a retriever. And it was a little girl and it was down the line in Auckland, um, not in Auckland, sorry, down the line in the North Island. And we just put our name down, but we hadn't actually paid the deposit at that point. And we're like, oh yeah, like maybe that would be a Mm. good one, like to get across. Kind of felt good, but then at the same time there was like we weren't jumping on it like Mm. we would or we were before you know we would see them and we're like right let's do it you know then and there but yeah this one was like "Mm, we need some more photos blah 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 and like they weren't sending us photos and yeah the communication with the breeder wasn't as great and also i think that you've kind of taught me how to use my intuition a lot more as well so like um i felt the intuition of me come out and I was like right you know 
you know, ask one person and then like, I don't know, it just didn't feel right. And then, and then we obviously sent off to ask about some more photos to see what the parents look like and just try to get a vibe. And then, I don't know, how did it work out? We just kind of... Yeah, well, I think... I think this is the thing that was playing out in my head and I think this is a good example of what often happens for so many of us is that the decision doesn't make sense logically, uh, it's just an intuitive pull or it doesn't feel right intuitively but it makes sense logically and this is this like this internal battle that often goes on where where it's like our head's telling us to do one thing, but our heart is telling us to do the other. And it's this battle of the two. And if you're kind of questioning one or the other, this is when it's really hard to follow through on it. So this is sort of some of the stuff that I teach um, my coaching clients because it's there's subtle differences between the two, right? Mm. So I think in this scenario with the puppy, it was that it made sense, i.e. she was a girl. The photos of the dad who was the retriever were beautiful. And we were like, oh, maybe it makes more sense. Like it's cheaper. Uh, we also noted that uh, when you get across, sometimes they have less health problems because they're a mix. They're not a purebred. Um, and yeah, we kind of were like, oh, maybe we got it because this was the first time we've actually got through yeah. and they reserved one for us. So we were like, oh, like maybe, maybe this is meant to be. And then we sat on it overnight and slept on it, which was a wonderful thing to do, actually. And I highly recommend that sometimes if you're still really not sure. And then the next day, this little boy golden retriever purebred puppy came on and I don't know, after that, it just we were like, oh, there's a retriever puppy, it's a pure grid. And we were like, yeah. okay, like, I, I guess that helped us make our decision. We were like, oh, no, look, like, we're really excited about this. We really want a purebred as opposed to the cross. Yeah. No offense to the cross, it was just that that wasn't our truth, right? Yeah, it was so funny. I, I vividly remember it, and it was like, oh, let's just check one more time just to, like, see if there is, and if it's not, then we'll get That's the right. cross. And I like really like refreshed the computer and then it was there. It was like top of the page. And I don't know, my straight away, my intuition said, nah, that's the dog. That's him. Mm. And it was a he, but it was a golden retriever. So yeah. it was like, it was, it was weird because I wanted a boy. Evie wanted a girl golden retriever. And it was like, it was really cool because I got a boy and you got a golden retriever. Kind of, it was, but it was like meant. It was I don't know. Maybe it's. It I say feeling, I say right? things like it's meant to be, but yeah, it's also it. intuition as well, where it's like, you know, exactly. Yeah, it felt right. And then so we inquired about this one, and it was it's a really interesting story because we were the first ones to email about this puppy, and then the lady emailed back and she gave us all of this information and he was the only one that survived of his litter and uh you know they lived in Auckland and they were going to allow us to go visit and see the puppy but in our minds like logically it didn't make sense because he was more expensive it was a boy like it was just a little bit different yeah. but intuitively like the feeling or the it just feels right that yeah, it, it, did. it just yeah. felt right with him. And it's been so, so beautiful and just like the best decision ever because we've been able to go visit him each week. They send us photos like almost every day of him. And just the love 
that they've poured into him has just been so beautiful mm. and now we look back and we're like thank goodness we didn't get that other one because yeah. it just wasn't right for us yeah. actually the same thing was with it when we bought our house i know i was just about to actually just say that was um yeah it was we were looking at buying looking at buying houses and at the end of the day sometimes like what i do this is my thing but you just end up settling because it's just you're sick of seeing so many houses and <laughs> you're like yep that will do and that was my that's usually how i used to to deal with things um but <laughs> but then i remember we put an offer in and it was um on top of another offer and i remember lying on a couch at home going oh god i hope we don't get this house and then oh interesting yeah i don't think i've ever told you that but no. i was just like lying there going i really hope we don't get this house it doesn't feel good it doesn't feel right um and then i think like literally like five ten minutes later the agent called and was like sorry your offer hasn't been accepted and i was like yay that's amazing <laughs> but anyway what i was trying to get to is that there was another house which we are living in now which is just down the road but it had a funny outside like a funny sunroom call it um and it put me off straight away and i just was like not vibing in this house and then we went through a walk around and fell in love with it straight away when i walked in the door so it's weird that you so get so fixated on something sometimes and then yeah. your intuition just takes over and is like no that's not correct that's not what you meant to be doing or that's not the right decision yeah, um, totally. and i've definitely learned this um along the lines along the way sorry um as I used to be very sporadic with everything. Um, sorry, I'm talking about me now, not you. Um, and <laughs> Keep going, this is interesting. And I used to do things like buy a car willy-nilly just because you needed a car. I needed a car and the thing would blow up the next week. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. my intuition, I did not have one. And You did, you just ignored it. Yeah, I just ignored it. And so have me have meeting you and you teaching me how to actually listen to my intuition um has helped obviously immensely yeah it's been amazing so on that same note if someone was to ask you evie how do i you know re- listen to my intuition how do i work with it what would you what was some advice you would give them Oh, I love this question and a topic that I love coaching and supporting people around. So thank you for asking. I think firstly, it's important to know the difference between your head or your inner critic, your mind, your thoughts and your intuition. And sometimes like we've used today, intuition can be also called your gut, your instincts, uh, like a gut feeling. It could be your heart or your soul's voice. So I'm going to use lots of these words interchangeably, I'm sure. So the key difference between the two of these is that your head or your mind or your thoughts, your inner critic will be all of these words like they'll they'll have lots to say it's like a little monkey jumping from thought to thought to thought tree to tree it's all over the show it's more worried about the fear uh it's more worried about like the logical decision and the key thing here is what i always suggest to people when they're not sure of which voice is which is to think about how it makes you feel so your inner critic or your mind will feel 
uh, different in your body. So often it will feel tight, dark, constrictive, icky, uh, you know, ugh, like like fear-based mm. voice, right? Whereas your intuition, on the other hand, it often has got less to say. So there's not as many words. Sometimes it's more of a feeling or it's just like a yes or a no. So often it's more of a feeling and, and it will feel really warm, really expansive, really exciting or really grounding. It's really reassuring. It's like, ah, yeah, like that's what I'm meant to be doing. So that's the difference between the two. I think it's important to establish the two, right? Because otherwise we can yeah, get confused about which voice we're actually listening to and is like, well, what is my intuition? So hopefully that helps first and foremost. The next thing I would suggest is developing some sort of practice to quieten down, to go inward, to allow yourself to listen to your intuition. So we all have an intuition, right? Like everyone does. It's just whether or not we actually choose to listen to it and follow it and how loud it is, right? And I think as a whole, society generally fosters us to live in our heads more, to be more logical, to think things through. You know, how often have you thought about um, or been told oh, I'll just think that one through. I'll just think about that one. Mm. And it's like, but actually it should really be the flip. It should be like, I'll just feel what feels best for me in terms of this decision, right? So, so often we tend to live in out more of our heads and listen to our intuition less. And I know that certainly was the case for me. And, and you've just shared the same with you, Brooke, right? Mm-hmm. And so knowing that, we know that, if we can foster a way to come out of our heads and back into our bodies, back into our intuition, then that's a wonderful thing. So some sorts of things that you might like to do is having some nice, quiet, alone time, technology free, no phones, go for walks in nature, ground yourself, put your feet on the floor, wear bare feet on the grass, meditation, that's probably one of the things I would almost recommend to every single human being because I just think it's a wonderful practice that we could all benefit from in so many different ways. So meditation is a wonderful practice to drop out of your head, drop out of those thoughts and really tune into your inner knowing, tune into your intuition. The other thing that you can do is journaling. Another wonderful practice that I love, that I do often and that I suggest to my clients all the time because it allows you to really check in, to get out all of your thoughts on paper if you need, like to listen to the intuition, uh, inner critic first and then ask yourself what your intuition wants. What does your intuition tell you? And then probably the last thing I would just share here is almost... Like have a conversation with your intuition and this can be as you're starting to listen to it more and start hearing its whispers or those feelings that it's giving you, those nudges, those pulls and that is to think about it as if it was like another person across the road, sorry, across the table from you. So you're sitting down at the table having a conversation with your intuition. So you can literally ask your intuition questions like, okay, so how do you feel about this person? Or how do you feel about this situation? 
or what do you think I should do in terms of this decision? Is it a yes or a no? Mm. And if it's a maybe, then that's great. Then go back to the drawing board or maybe it's a maybe for now. So it means like it's not a yes right now. So it means that it's a no for now, but maybe it's a, a yes later down the track or something. So really ask yourself those questions. So just to recap, learn the difference between the two voices, your inner critic or your mind, your ego voice and your voice of your intuition, that loving, beautiful, reassuring voice within you. Know that you all have an intuition and it was just that we need to foster that. So fostering it through practices like meditation, taking some nice quiet alone time, you know, cutting out some of the distractions and the outside noise and tuning in. Uh, journaling is another wonderful practice. And then having conversations, like talking it through with your intuition. And I would just lastly say that it is a practice, right? And while I have said earlier in this podcast that my intuition has always been there and always been, been quite strong, I did definitely doubt it, right? I did get caught up in my head a lot. And so it's just that I've now done years of these practices of meditating often, of journaling, of listening and, and going within. And I think the same for you, right? Like even just you learning how I do things or how yeah. we have conversations together about our decisions that we make together. Mm. Uh, yeah, you're yeah. A lot, you're you're a lot quicker than let's say what you used to be before you used to practice and listen listen to your intuition. It was like now I can see that you you know if something's hard or or you're stuck on something that you know you've got all these practices that you've been teaching and learning for so long that you can just adapt and and come up with the right decision. Yeah, totally. Practice it, makes perfect. Do you remember? my inner critic when I was younger mm-hmm. no comment <laughs> what do you want to say about what do you want to say about that <laughs> well I guess obviously like because when I met you I didn't have an intuition and so you didn't listen to your intuition yes and I guess I think you were learning as well at the same time to listen to yours um and it was just so it's so funny how we both did things completely differently and mm you know how we've you've taught me and and I've taught you parts of things that I've learned along the way of so yeah absolutely I like that topic that's Um, a good topic also just like along the lines of inner critic I was just gonna add in here that uh, I remember Brooke used to say this quote I think it's a Tony Robbins one and it was like if you're in your head you're dead Mm. and what is that I think it was Tony Robbins yeah um but I still yeah, I still stand by that quote. If you if you get stuck in your head, if you keep thinking of, you know, going around in your head of the same questions or trying to come up with the answers, yeah, if you stay in your head too long, you just overthink everything. Mm. Yeah. Awesome, Evie. So I'm going to ask you a couple more questions, if you don't mind. Cool. Okay, cool. Well, uh, my second question is, what have been some of the most uh, game-changing habits and rituals or things that have made a massive difference in your life? Oh, I love this question. Um, I think I've touched on quite a few of them earlier. Uh, but I think if I was to like boil it down to one thing that's been a game changer for me, I think it would be meditation. 
and I know that people often have this fear around meditating if they haven't done it before like it's like well how do I meditate and so I'm just meant to like sit there with my thoughts or I think there's this perception or fear that comes up for some people that they're like but if I if I just stop and be still and go within what's going to come up like there's a fear about what's going to come up and and I just want you to know that that's totally normal and okay but it but you you know whatever comes up you'll be more than capable of handling it Mm. and whatever comes up is meant to come up and it's yeah it's definitely a practice something to continually and consistently practice uh but yeah it's it's been a game changer for me so I think I started meditating mm, a good few years ago now but I kind of did it like a little bit sporadically like I would normally do it at least a few times a week but it wouldn't be every day and I started off with guided meditation so I would recommend starting there if you can oh yeah I like sorry to start in there um I because you taught me how to try meditate and and I do I I did find it hard as well but you put it you've got your ones that you've just brought out Mm. so do you want to tell the listeners about that (laughs) sure because I like them that's all so I thought other people might like them too. Oh, thank you. Um, yes, so those meditations I created, there's three of them and I've created them as part of my Cool, Calm and Confident program. So that's now live on the website so you can absolutely go check that out and we'll link it in the show notes. But it's a really affordable, low-cost product that is going to give you the tools and rituals the daily practices that are going to help to build inner confidence and connection from within so highly recommend Mm. checking those out and yeah you're right they are a wonderful place to start so I designed those meditations for someone who is new to meditation or newer so really uh yeah, a good place to start. They're not that long, three to five minutes, uh, three to seven minutes rather long. So it's not like you have to sit there for 20 minutes twice a day and do transcendental meditation, for example. So it's a really nice place to start. Cool. Yeah, because it's always some like hard to sometimes find that right platform for you. Do you know? Like yeah. I always found that hard, like chopping and changing between like guided and then just like music as well like background Mm. music so yeah and so we're about to so it's on your website or you purchase the thing and then it you get it um yeah you need to purchase the program cool calm and confident and that is a part of the program you just download it once you buy it yeah absolutely you just download them once you've bought it and you can keep them forever so come back to them uh yeah i know they yeah, have been really supportive for previous clients who have gone through that program. So yeah. I hope you love them too. And yeah, back to meditation. So it really is a practice. It's something to consistently uh, work on. And I have made it my mission this year to meditate every single day. And while there have definitely been days that I have missed, it's I like this idea and I suggest this to clients as well who are kind of on the fence of do I do it? Do I not? And kind of like, how do I make it a habit and part of my life? And I would say that if you have this element of, of choice, like I do it three times a week and that's it, maybe that's right for you. But I know for me, I said that my mindset's going to be the thing that's going to hold me back, if anything. And so I have really devoted a lot of my personal time this year to working on that within myself. And it's been 
amazing like what I've achieved because of that mm. really like it's been a massive year for me so yeah I just said that I'm going to meditate every day and when I when you take the element of choice out of it you just say well I'm going to meditate there's it's not a like a yes or a no there's no like oh I can just do it tomorrow type of thing and then also the other key part of this is that there was no other restrictions or parameters to it so it's just that I'm going to meditate it wasn't that I have to do it for any length of time or it could be like one minute hey it could be like one or two minutes just to like take yeah. time just to be by yourself and 100 yeah. percent and yeah so I just took out that and I also took out the time of day because we can get caught up on oh but I have to have this beautiful morning routine and I have to do this and this and this and then if I don't do it then it's all ruined so I might as well just not do it absolutely and it could even be like in your car like oh totally I've meditated in the car yeah no not when you're driving I mean like in a car park (laughs) (laughs) yes I have though I have actually done that um I used to do that sometimes in my lunch break as a physio I'd go sit in my car and meditate and yeah it's wonderful I would highly recommend it to anyone awesome okay um what does your inner confidence mean to you inner confidence I want to give you this analogy that I often use when I talk about inner confidence because I think it sums it up really well. And I also just want to highlight the fact here that I always refer to confidence as inner confidence because it's never something that you can put on or seek externally. It's always created from within. So you know when you're at a party or a social gathering, or something like that, and someone walks into the room, and you can just feel their energy, like they're just radiating, they're oozing with confidence, they just know who they are, they're unapologetically themselves, they don't care about what other people think of them, they're just them, like they've fully owned who they are, and They're not seeking reassurance from other people. They're not seeking external validation. They don't care. Like, they're just them. And that's what inner confidence is to me. It's more of this feeling, but it's more related to embracing who you truly are, your most authentic self, your secret source, your authentic magic, I often call it. And, you know, really having that deep belief in yourself that deep trust it also relates to uh, really owning your self-worth as well but essentially it's just you being you and feeling so confident in that and just oozing out confidence 100 percent. and it could even like like i can elaborate on that a little bit because it can also sometimes come down to even like the clothes you wear it yeah. is that like confidence do you know what i mean like sometimes you'll go out and be like oh i just don't feel right or and that helps your confidence as well Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. there's lots of practical things you can do. And there's no denying that how you look like your appearance, uh, your appearance does either add or subtract from your confidence. But it's not so much like what it is that you're wearing. It's more that it feels true for you. Like it feels really good in your body, on your body. Like, yeah, it just makes you feel more you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Sorry, I've got so many questions. Um, what is one thing that your inner critic used to tell you all the time that now you can see as being total BS? <laughs> Sorry, I want to say the other one, but... <laughs> I, I think it's that it used to tell me all of the time that I wasn't good enough. 
And so this is where my self-worth piece came in and I really needed to rebuild that from within. But it used to tell me that I wasn't good enough all all of the time. Like, who do you think you are? You can't go after that thing. Like you'll never get that promotion or that job or just that I wasn't good enough full stop. And I think that's a really common one. I think it happens all of the time because so often... You know, when we're younger, we're either taught uh, or we develop this belief system that we're not good enough. And therefore, if we're not good enough, we're not loved. And those are probably the two most common uh, human fears, Hmm. uh, deepest fears. And if you boil down other surface level fears, often it boils down to a fact that we're either not good enough or worthy enough. And therefore, we're not going to be loved. And that was definitely the case for me. Uh, But now, of course, after doing all this inner work, I can absolutely see that that was BS. Like I am 100% worthy just because I am alive, because I'm born, because I'm here. And there's nothing that I need to fix, change or improve. Like I'm worthy as I am. You sure are. Thanks. Now, what is one piece of advice you'd love to tell your younger self? Oh, I should have really thought about my answers to these ones because, of course, I created the questions. But actually, I think it's quite nice not doing that, like doing an ad lib. That's my favorite. What would I... Yeah, totally. What would I do? What would I tell my younger self? I think I would tell my younger self that she's so worthy, that she's so powerful that she has all of her answers within her, that it's all going to work out in the end and just to deeply trust and follow her intuition. Like that is your biggest guiding light. Mm. Your intuition always knows. It's never going to leave you astray. You can absolutely trust in that. Beautiful. Well answered. So this leads me on to my last question cool uh if there was one thing one message or one piece of wisdom you'd like to impart with the world um which what would it be to do the inner work to uncover to really embrace and own who you are your authentic magic your secret source because That's what the world needs. Can you imagine a world where we all embraced who we were, our unique talents and gifts and traits, owned them and gave that gift that is us to the world? That would just be a wonderful, magical place. So I would say to really embrace who you are and, you know, use your intuition for that one. It'll always help you with it. Like come back home to yourself And just be who you are. Be who you're here to be. We need your secret source. We need your authentic magic. We need your special gifts and talents. Don't leave us waiting. Be your most authentic self, your fullest self, your best self. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for that answer. It was beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for interviewing me, bro. It's been so fun. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Pleasure. See you soon, guys. See you guys. Wasn't that epic? 
For all of the details and things we talked about in today's show, you can check them out in the show notes and that's over at evelynkelly.co.nz forward slash podcast. And if you can think of anyone who would really benefit from this episode, then please share it with them. And while you're there, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a five-star review in iTunes so that we can get this podcast out to even more humans and create a ripple effect throughout the world.